Hey, all. Hey, Adam, you're back. Yeah. Hi, Becca. I am. Oh, oh my freaking God, this past week. Yeah, it's been pretty brutal for you, huh, bud? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been a bit of an ordeal. Uh, my, my mom had a house fire and I had to go run down to where she lives to help her out with that because I don't live where she lives and I she lives six hours away and was a bit overwhelmed and couldn't handle the logistics. So I stepped in and was a good son and we got things sorted out though. We're really grateful that everything's okay and that you're back home. And, you know, we missed all of our listeners. So we're glad that we can be here with you again. Absolutely. So without further ado, we're about to get started. But before we do, I just want to let you know, we were going to do an episode on rejection sensitivity this week. But naturally, with everything that happened, I am not in the mood for a serious episode like that. So at both, we talked about it and we both kind of agreed this episode is going to be all about sex. Right. So now you know that it is not safe for work. And if you are uncomfortable with this kind of content, and skip over us until next week. Absolutely. Without further ado, here we go. Hey, Becca. Hey, Adam. So, are you ready for this week's topic? <laughs> Always. Oh, <laughs> you and me both. So yeah, we're, we're talking all about the word that TikTok spells S-E-G-G-S, but you all know exactly what we mean. Yes, yeah, so we are talking about sexuality and ADHD and how your ADHD can affect it. And, you know, just that whatever you feel is, as we always say, totally valid and hopefully we can kind of give you some insight that you are not the only person in the world that is feeling this way. And I hope for sure that we can do that because that is how I have felt for years and I don't want anyone else to feel it. I just want to say, I am grateful that we are doing this podcast because you know that saying, be the person you wish you knew when you were younger. Well, in this case, I could have used this podcast when I was younger, especially this episode. So you and me both. Oh, and, and, you know, that, that just makes me think of like the first thing, which I, I see you, you did a bit of notes here because you are so organized and awesome. And I love you for that among so many things. That is my job. I make you do all of the editing and all of the creative stuff. So I get to do all the research, the slugging, and of course, trying to get people to listen to us. Absolutely. So, okay. Um, your first point here, and I, I really like it. It's trouble staying focused. Although before we get to that, I do like your statistic there. Where did you find that statistic and before we get into it? Um, I actually found that on WebMD and I have heard it stated by quite a few other um, mental health TikTokers that 40% of people with ADHD, be it men or women. And of course our non-binary pals. 40% of us at some point in our lives struggle with sex and intimacy. Honestly, that does not surprise me because I've experienced that my fair share of myself. So, and a lot oh, of people talk me to too. Yeah. I not only have experienced it, but because I was undiagnosed, still am undiagnosed with ADHD, mm. that one, this is just not something that people really seem to talk about too much. It's only ever become prevalent to me recently. Mm-hmm. But also, I just thought that I was broken. You told me some of this 
when we were on a road trip with our mutual friend and we were chatting about this and you mentioned how eight people with ADHD tend to have trouble staying focused and intimacy problems and other stuff like that. And it just blew my mind because I think, sorry to cut you off, but I do think that we, and we, everybody seems to think that ADHD is just so focused on like school or housework or executive dysfunction. They don't take into consideration that we don't just have ADHD when the lights are on. It affects every single aspect of our lives. Totally. And I think part of that comes from, by and large, our diagnostic criteria. Yes, I have been listening to our favorite other podcast, Katie and Erickson. Mm -hmm. Um, But the diagnostic criteria for ADHD and for autism and for a lot of neurodivergences are based on observations of cis-hetero white boys, kids, and are geared towards kids. So we don't really think of these things being these things like sex being affected by ADHD because we think of ADHD as a thing about kids, but adults have ADHD and adults have sex. <laughs> so well, we don't outgrow it. No. And that's what people don't seem to really grasp is that it's not like on your 18th birthday, they hand you your get out of mental illness and neurodiversity pre-card you, you don't get your you don't get your neurotypical hogwarts letter really no it's not like at 18 you get to get on the train and and leave and all of your neurodivergencies all of your mental illnesses you don't get to leave all of that behind absolutely although i, I and as an aside i just want to say i realize i just made a harry potter reference i am we are no fans of she who must not be named on this podcast that's the most i'll say about that but you're absolutely right you don't just leave it behind. It it persists and affects you because I mean it's how your brain works, right? I mean, again, going back to the whole thing I said at the, in the first episode, I came to polyamory when I realized that if my brain worked differently in a lot of other ways, it probably worked differently in relationships too. And I wasn't wrong about that. But sex is part you, of that. It absolutely is, and I think sex is a big part of that. Um, now, I I understand that not everyone. Um, has sex like we I'm sure have a few asexual um, and there's other terms for it and I'm sorry right now that I'm blanking but we have people who don't have sex that listen to us so again if this is the content that you want to hear scroll on till next week asexual but I think valid absolutely absolutely valid loading (laughs) it's not coming back keep going Becca's brain is installing a software update as it as ADHD brains typically do at the most inopportune times. <laughs> so um, okay. But yeah, it absolutely does get impacted by ADHD because again, if your brain works differently in one way and you're neurotypical, it works differently in probably every other way. And that includes if you are the kind of human who is inclined towards sex, sex will be impacted as well. So Going off that, I, let's start with your list then. Help you help your uh, your software install installing brain uh, <laughs> stay focused. Okay. Thank you. I hate so much that I always say that ADHD can't be cured with a list, but in some cases it really helps. I mean, um, it totally does. Like, I mean, what I said at the beginning of the episode about my mom's house fire i solved that problem with massive amounts of lists lists are my friend and i appreciate lists so going off of the one you did here your first point was trouble staying focused 
<laughs> now again, I want to point out that all of this research was done directly off of WebMD. Um, we decided to do this podcast on the fly, but I wanted some research that wasn't just us being anecdotal, although I assure you there will be a lot of that. Oh, there will be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they're, they're, it's research that, yeah, again, further study is required. However, they read true to us based on our experiences, and we hope they at least reach a little bit and help you out there as well. Okay, so the big one, which we know just in our podcast alone, is uh, trouble staying focused. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> and this was actually what you and I were talking about, and of course, um, Blue Eyes. This is what we were talking about on the road trip is mm-hmm. the ability to stay focused. Yes. Now I have this slightly different problem mm-hmm. um, than you do. Well, one, because I have different parts, but for me, I always found that, you know, I really enjoy sex. Mm-hmm. However, halfway through, if you're just doing the same repetitive motion, I'm just kind of laying there going, I think I'll paint the ceiling pink. <laughs> yeah. Or should I make shepherd's pie for dinner? And then ah. you're like, oh, right, got to stay in the moment. And, and you make a couple of, ooh, ah, yay. <laughs> and then you go back to whatever it was that you were thinking. So I struggled with orgasming for a really long time because I was unable to stay focused at the task at hand, pun intended. yeah it was was. no but that's i get that (laughs) and unfortunately for a guy or a human with a penis it's far harder to bullshit your way through still being engaged and yes harder was absolutely also a pun (laughs) i think we should make this podcast into a drinking game (laughs) <laughs> any time either of us giggles inappropriately because we are we both have the mentality of like a 12 year old when it comes to this subject we should have to take a shot and then see if we make it to the end of this podcast <laughs> i am very much a 12 year old boy when it comes to this stuff i am a sex positive feminist but i am also very much a 12 year old boy when it comes to this <laughs> um but no this is actually an interesting one because I have always been the kind of person who needs my brain engaged when I'm doing this kind of thing to stay focused. Like, again, as you said, if it's just a rote mechanical in, out, in, out, in, out, I, okay, cool. I'm a go make pancakes. (laughs) You know what I mean? Or like, I want to play Assassin's Creed after I'm done this, or I want to write that new story. And you know, these are all things going through my head while we're doing it because my brain's not being engaged. So, and we're not going to get into this, this episode, but I do want to touch quickly on the fact that this is why kink has a certain allure for me personally, because it engages my brain and my body both. It, it's Absolutely. It's and that'll go into one of our later points as well, that I find that a lot of um, kink, and again, this will be a separate podcast because you can't cover ADHD, sex, and BDSM <laughs> slash kinks. No. In, in an hour, unless we talk at hyperspeed. Or um, ADHD, we could do it. No, I'm just kidding. Let's not, let's I think not part of it is not only 
that it keeps your brain engaged, but it's um, difference in sensations. Yeah. So that no, no one sensation can become um, overwhelming or you get too hypersensitive to one particular emotion. Or you get bored because it's always changing. Yes. Which again, to tie into a, a, lot, a later point, is absolutely dopamine chasing and is yes. definitely something that I think if you want a key, a key way to get engage your ADHD partner, make it a dopamine game. <laughs> absolutely. So, okay. Yeah, go on. Uh, no, I didn't have anything to say. I was just making noise. Okay. Um, <laughs> round. See, echolalia is fun. We, we can sneak it in like anywhere and it's, it's entertaining. It's great. <laughs> right. Okay. But no, going on. Um, you also had on here hyper or hyposexual, which I find interesting. What yeah. So I actually find that very interesting because I know, um, two undiagnosed ADHD um, females that are around the same age. So one of them being high me and then the other one being someone that I am particularly close to. And we have both gone kind of separately mm-hmm. in the hyper and hypo. So I am hypersexual, which means basically I, I am overtly sexual I sex to me is kind of a hyper fixation because I'm a dopamine chaser so that's exactly what I want and I you know think about it a lot type of deal but then this person that I know and love very much um, was also hypersexual when we were younger and as time has gone on has become more what I consider hyposexual to almost the point of asexuality so they no longer crave sex, want sex, think about sex. And we've both kind of gone different ways. And that's really interesting because I think it touches on something else. And the people have this idea. And when I say this, know that I'm not saying this to invalidate sexual orientations or stuff like that, because I think that's definitely, they're definitely valid and part of who someone is and all these things and blah, blah. But to some degree, sexuality is also fluid, right? And it changes and develops throughout a lifetime and and grows as well. Oh, absolutely. And I think that it's important to note that whatever sexuality you are at this particular moment might change. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that it is a phase because good Lord, I hate that term. But I'm just saying, like I, when I was younger and coming out in kind of my, my life choices, uh, I started off obviously as, you know, because I was raised um, very Christian, I thought I was straight. Yeah. And then I wasn't. And then I realized that I wasn't. I came out as bisexual. And then later on, um, found the term pansexual. And again, this is not bi erasure or pan erasure, but I connected with the term pansexual and I kept that. Yeah. And now that. I believe bisexual people are real and valid and beautiful and wonderful. We love them. I'm just, you know, going with the fact that being pansexual spoke to me. And then, you know, as that has gone on, I've also in recent years discovered that I'm also demisexual. So I do think that learning about ourselves and our sexuality is fluid. And you are who you are and you are absolutely beautiful and absolutely valid and we love you and appreciate you. And I mean... Uh, if you think about it, 
we are such complex messes of sentient tapioca pudding in our heads that there are naturally going to be layers and layers and layers upon layers of yourself that you may or may not be aware of until you start to peel them back. And part of the fun of that also when you're neurodivergent is exploring how ADHD or autism or anything else impacts that, right? So, and, and that can, again, as you said, that can develop and change over time. But I do find it interesting that, I mean, especially in the autistic world, there like hyper or hypo tends to apply to a lot of different sensory things when it comes to autism as well. Like you are like you are either hyper or hyposensitive to a lot of sensory stimuli. And it very much varies from, oh, I feel everything dialed up to 11 to, eh, all right, who cares, you know? And so it's, it, so it makes perfect sense that that would apply to sexuality as well, because naturally, as I said, if neurodiversity impacts one part of your brain, it affects everything. No, you're absolutely right. And everything is connected and linked. And I think that leads right into our next point, which is that a lot of people with ADHD have sudden mood swings and desire changes. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm I I'm embarrassed about some of these ones. <laughs> I've I've absolutely had it happen where I was raring to go, like really raring to go, and then we started, and then partway through, my brain is just like, I want pizza, or <laughs> I wonder when that episode of that show is on. No, Adam, focus. You have to focus. I wonder whether, no, we're focusing on her now. <laughs> and this is like, it becomes an internal battle of trying to keep myself in the mood when ADHD has just decided, la, 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 ooh, shiny thing. Well, and I think the hardest part for that, like, yes, obviously it's hard on the person that it's happening to. But also I think as a sexual partner, you notice oh, yeah, you when do. your partner's interest starts to drift. And it's, and yeah. It can be very hard on them. And I think one of the best things that you can do is have a conversation where you're going, it's not because of you. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, come up with a plan together to, you know, make sure that everybody is staying engaged, that everybody's in the moment, that everybody's happy with what's happening. Yes. And then again, the other thing that can happen, and I've seen it happen, is that you can get hypersensitive to a particular thing that maybe you usually love and all of a sudden it's too much, too much, too much, too much. Mm -hmm. But um, I've also kind of seen it where it's something that you've always really liked and maybe all of a sudden you're right in the middle of it and you're like, I never want to do that again. (laughs) Yep. Please stop touching me with your alien hands. Like, I don't want this. Or certain things that, in certain circumstances with certain people might be very desirable. And then those very same things in a different circumstance with the, with the same person or a different person or whatever, all of a sudden is, Ooh. Well, and I think that's it too. I have definitely had partners where it's like, oh yeah, I'll totally do that thing. Yeah. And then you're with someone else and you were like, oh, oh, oh absolutely no. not. <laughs> oh no, oh no. And, and I think, you know, it's important to remember that consent is key mm-hmm. and talking to your partner is the most important part of it. Consent and communication. Exactly. 
op keep open my open my lines of communication and keep talking about these things because your partner can't know what's going on in your head unless you communicate with them. But likewise, they need to respect your consent too. It, it because it can get messier than people think, but at the end of the day, the rule is communicate honestly and always have consent with each other because I mean, that's the biggest thing. And I think as long as you're talking about this stuff and you're being honest with your partner and you're saying, Hey, it's not, it's not you. I promise it's not you. There's just bodies and brains are weird and, and bodies and brains are weird. At the end of the day, but I alluded to it before, but I love that saying that you're a sentient tapioca pudding driving a meat suit. I mean, that is essentially it. And those things are weird. Right. And um but there is nothing really more intimate that we can do with our bodies than have sex. Mm -hmm. So it's important that you always feel comfortable and that you do have that communication. I, it's that I believe is part of the intimacy, not just touch and feeling is yes. knowing Yes. And, and discussing. And I think that brings an even deeper intimacy to what we're doing. Yes. Because you're right that the body's highest form of intimacy is pretty much sex. The brain's highest form of intimacy is communication and consent and that kind of thing and building those bonds with someone. Even like, I'm not the kind of person who needs to be in a relationship to sleep with someone, but I do need a bond with that person and to, and to feel and to trust that person. And how do you do that? Well, you communicate and you consent. So absolutely, yeah, we're big on that stuff. That's good. very, very big. But also, I don't know, um, I'm going to move right on to the next point oh, because I worked really hard on this research. I love so, this. <laughs> along with ADHD often comes the desire for risky or like risky and sexual behavior. So, you know, you get that sort of, I mean, I get a lot of intrusive thoughts to begin with, <laughs> but you also get the sexual risky behavior. So like I get the intrusive thoughts where you know I'm cutting up carrots and be like you should cut off your finger no 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 that's counterproductive let's not do that <laughs> a plus it would probably hurt and we get blood everywhere and, and then you have to clean it off the, the carpet and, and I ruin my carrots it's like it's just all bloody yeah it wouldn't go be pleasant for anyone <laughs> but um so I've never been or never really considered myself to be a huge risk taker but I do know that I have, like looking back, engaged in what you would call more risky sexual behavior. Yeah. So I've like had unprotected sex and, you know, maybe done some sexual things that probably weren't as safe as they could have been in that moment in time. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with having, with doing risky behavior if that's what you like, just to always make sure that you are safe and healthy happy and healthy well and to go off that and again we are going to do a whole episode on kink so this is not me getting bring back to that but there is you made me think of something from the kink world that i think applies to that it's the concept of risk aware consensual kink or consensual sex or consent risk aware consensual activity essentially and that is you communicate and you're honest and you understand that it's risky but you agree to it together and that's fine but I do think that ADHD does, and autism, and, well, and especially ADHD, because it's dopamine seeking, does tend to lead towards a drive towards risky sexual behavior because gratification and dopamine chasing. 
Well, and also, and I don't know, I didn't really have enough time to look this up, but apparently um, the reason that a lot of ADHD uh, folks are looking into these more like risky behaviors, be it sexual or just in general, is because we have less of a certain brain chemical called a neurotransmitter. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter. It's one of many, but yeah, that is essentially it. We have a dopamine deficiency. Yeah. Right. So, and I don't know how many people are aware of that. So I thought I just kind of like, I think most people know that like, hey, we need a dopamine hit, but they don't always know exactly what it's called. Well, you know, I think think the way to look at it is all human beings are drug addicts for dopamine, among other neurotransmitters. Our brains need them to function and crave them when they're not there and all that stuff. A neurotypical brain has more than enough of an ample supply and never has to worry about going cold turkey without it. An ADHD brain, on the other hand, is it's, uh, it's, it's iffy based on the day. And so in terms of sex, we will be drawn to risky activities because they are potential high reward dopamine activities. It will feel, it will drive you. You know what I mean? It feels good. It makes us happy. We get the, um, you know, that kind of in the brain, but then I don't know um, if you experience as they talk about, again, we're going to have to use the word again, but they talk about this a lot in the kink community, which is uh, a dopamine crash. Yeah. I've experienced it. It's not fun. I was going to ask, have you ever had like post-coitus crash? Yes. And I'm, I'm not going to name names, obviously, because we respect the privacy of our, our former and current partners, promise. Um, it was one of my earlier experiences with kink and or, you know, more, not, not risque, but like sexual, like intense sexual experience, shall we say. I was very, very much in what they call in the kink world subspace, which is where the, it's a, it's a level of floaty conscious, altered consciousness that happens when you're engaging in this kind of play and you're, you're almost in like a neurotransmitter high. And then afterwards it crashed after, uh, you know, after we stopped playing and she went home for the night and I, I crashed and I felt really awful the next day too. Like it was just, no. And this is not blame on anyone because these crashes are natural and can happen to anyone, no matter what. It's that the kink community does things like aftercare and other stuff to kind of ease the transition back down. But at the end of the day, dopamine crashes are a normal documented thing in that community. And it, absolutely. Well, and I think they're normal and documented not only in the neurospicy world as well. I yeah. believe that neurotypical people also have to deal with the crash. Yes. Um, because I know, like, I have also experienced it and it actually made me physically ill. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I and was- it was. I was working at Walmart the like right right when I was finishing my my grad my graduate degree when this happened and I think I was on cash the next day and I just was not having any of it and I mean Walmart cash in general <laughs> is a fun experience when you're low on dopamine that was great that's just hell with fluorescent lighting that's all that is yeah oh yeah one hundred ten percent. Um, And so I actually wanted to go back to something that we kind of skipped over at one point. Uh 
And that is um, when we were talking about hyper and hyposexualities. Oh, yeah. Um, is that, Adam, did you know that some ADHD and antidepressant medications can cause you to have a lower sex drive or to have inorgasma? That sounds extremely frustrating on both fronts. And I'm also very curious about the definition of inorgasma. So I don't know the specific like medical terminology, but basically inorgasma is the inability to orgasm. Oof. So, you know, if that is something that you are struggling with, I would definitely recommend just maybe bringing it up to your doctor. Yes. Not, not you, Adam, but like you <laughs> in the digital world that we are talking to. Um, and I wanted to talk about it because I did previously have a partner that had the issue where the medications caused an orgasma. And it was so frustrating, not only for them, but for me, because it definitely uh, kind of pitched on the RSD, where it was like, I don't know how to please you. And they were like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so I did want to mention those things. If it is like, if it doesn't bother you, don't worry about it. But if it is something that you find yourself struggling with that bothers you, make sure that you talk to your, you know, medical professionals and see if anything can be done. If your meds can be changed or if they know any kind of thing that they can do to sort of help you out. Well, and that makes me think of something too, because And again, we will also do that promised episode about RSD, but I do want to touch real quick on what you said about it kind of driving a wedge potentially in partners who don't communicate and stuff, because I mean, it triggers that because I don't know about you, but I've always kind of been raised and conditioned to believe sex is a a two-player game and you should be pleasing your partner as much as you you yourself being pleased if not like focus on your partner's pleasure before your own maybe that's just the fact that I'm inherently a submissive person in some ways but I just I like the thought of pleasing my partners as much as you know know, and, and making sure they're happy too so when someone has that issue and they're not communicating about it it can make it difficult for you who is just trying so hard to please them Unless you have that conversation. Absolutely. Um, way to out yourself on the internet as a service sub, by the way. I'm so proud of you. I did. Did I? Oh, yeah. God damn it. <laughs> oh, oh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you can't see us on uh, on your end listeners but i am a bright beat red right now on cam and becca is laughing at me for it so (laughs) i may or may not leave that in but if i leave it in it's gonna be hilarious so i may just mom don't listen to this episode (laughs) 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 no but but you know what i mean though right like how it's kind of it's it's tricky because it's completely chemically based because of the antidepressants and all that kind of stuff. But it's tricky for everyone involved. Oh, it absolutely is. And again, I'm not saying that there's any issue in particular with it, unless it's something that you are bothered by. And then, you know, but I, I don't know how many people knew that maybe all of a sudden their sex drive is lower or they are suffering from inorgasma and they don't know why or what to do about it. Yes, exactly. And that's where you... But, I just thought it was an important point to make because, you know, we want to help people. We want them to know that they are 
you know, wonderful and treasured and that who you are as a person is perfect. And we are here to help in whatever way that we can. Absolutely. Even if that involves outing yourself as a service sub on, <laughs> on your podcast, right? So proud of you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but no, what Becca said, 100%, we are here, you are valid, you are awesome, and we want you to support you and live your best lives and all that stuff. Um, one final point that you brought up was uh, ADHD can cause anger and loneliness and saps interest in sex because I have found that I am either raring to go or I'm not. I know for certain that... Um... ADHD, especially undiagnosed ADHD within my life, has led to a lot of feelings of anger, resentment, and loneliness. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, when I'm angry and lonely and sad, and I think that I just don't know how to be a person, what about that makes you feel attractive? What about that makes you feel like, you know what I need to do right now? (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, when you get to that low of a dopamine, you know, when you're in that place where the dopamine is so low, how do you, you don't. No, you You don't. And so I know for um, quite a while, there was about a two year stint in my life. Um, Let's get a little personal and a little vulnerable here, where I had gotten um, very, very overweight and unhealthy. And I'm not saying, please don't anyone take that as me saying that overweight people are unhealthy. The way that my body was and the way that I carried my weight is what made me unhealthy. Um, And there was, you know, I had a lot of medical issues that were going on that I was unaware of. And I was angry and I was sad and I was scared. And I had a long-term partner at the time they were a truly wonderful person and they they helped me as much as they could, but for about two years, it, nope, sex was absolutely not on the table. Um, and that was very hard for me and I felt broken. I felt like a bad partner. I felt like a bad person because it didn't matter what I did. I did not have the dopamine or the words to even describe where I was. Yeah. And I know that it was very, very hard at my partner at the time because you don't have the words, you can't explain to them. And they're going, well, are you just not attracted to me? No, it, it was never that. It was just that I couldn't. And so I definitely understand this idea that we're, you know, we're angry, we're lonely. We don't always feel like, you know, we're, the best person that we can be and we're just struggling to be someone that other people just seem to do so effort effortlessly yeah and how do you want to have the sex in a moment where you feel like that you just you don't no absolutely absolutely and I mean thank you for sharing that that was really vulnerable and I'm sorry that you that... for keeping it lighthearted. yeah <laughs> I had, I had a similar moment. It's all good. Um, I won't get into details except that there was a time at my old at my old job where I was having a really hard time with my boss. And there were a lot of times when I was so deep in the anxiety spiral from that and burned out from trying to mask as neurotypical to get shit done at work 
that the last thing I really wanted to do was, <laughs> you, you know, think about intimacy and that kind of thing. And other times when it, when it was my dopamine hit and I needed it, but it kind of fluctuated. So I absolutely get that. And in your situation, especially as a partner, that must've been really difficult. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I, it was very difficult and I, I have no idea if they listen to this podcast. We, you know, we did end on, I don't want to say we ended on good terms, but <laughs> uh, we, we're still friends and they're a very important part of my life. So if by any chance you are listening, thank you. And just thank you. And I want you to know that it was never, ever, ever you. Speaking as someone who's met this person as well, you were awesome and we love you. Um, but yeah, I guess all of this, the TLDR is kind of sex can be a hyperfixation and is dopamine chasing because all of this kind of comes down to our brain's love-hate relationship with keeping enough dopamine, doesn't it? I really think that it does. And I mean, I do think that it is a hyperfixation for some people, myself included. Huh? It's part of, you know, having a bit of a dirty I have. I don't have a bit of a dirty mind. I have a very a, dirty mind. A bit? Really? Bit? Shush. Shush you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have a dirty mind. So yeah, I, I do tend to think about sex fairly often. It is my fastest and most easily found source of a lot of dopamine really quickly. Uh-huh. And so I do find myself you know, a little more hyperfixated on sex than perhaps most people are. But as long as, you know, you're not taking away anybody else's consent or violating anyone else's bodily autonomy in any way, uh-huh. I think that's okay. Absolutely. I think we are far too, I mean, not we really, you and I, but <clears throat> society has too much of a purity culture, puritanical bent towards sex. And it's ridiculous because sex is a normal and healthy thing that a lot of humans not again not all we've we completely recognize the validity of our asexual brother or brethren and like siblings out there and all that stuff i say brother in the gender neutral sense but uh you know what i mean like we we absolutely recognize that as a valid thing but also sex is a normal thing that a lot of humans like and we really really shouldn't be judging it or looking on it in a puritanical lens like there's nothing to be ashamed of as long as consent and stuff is present. And especially it's a dopamine hit for neurotypicals too. It's just Absolutely. an even bigger dopamine hit if you are neurodivergent and are lacking in that. So I don't know. Do you have any final thoughts to add to that? Beck? I don't know. I kind of thought that we'd be telling more anecdotes, but apparently we, uh, I think it's just that we don't want to you know, kiss and tell. Um <laughs> So I'm trying to think of of something else to say to add to this. And I think just kind of going back to what we said in the last, I think it was the last episode, there was a week gap and I had ADHD. So I don't even know, have we done podcast episodes before? Is this the first one? What is time? time? We've all seen the time, time, you know. (laughs) Time is a social construct. Exactly. Anyway, um, I just... I think that it's important for people with ADHD, with any neuro, I know that we're focusing very specifically on ADHD, it seems this time around, but I think it's important for ADHDers to understand that sex is really complicated mm-hmm. and 40% of us, so just less than half, struggle 
with sexual issues and intimacy problems. Yes. And I know one of the things that have helped me a great deal is just knowing that I am not the only one out there who struggles with these things. Absolutely. And I, I think it's important to know that you are not broken. You are not wrong. You have not failed as a person, as a partner, if you struggle with these things. That's right. Um, talk to your friends. Talk to your doctor. Talk to us. Yeah. You know, we'll put a shameless email plug in here. Absolutely. It is neurodivergentpolyamorous at gmail.com. And if you need to talk to us, well, we will do our best. Again, neither of us are professionals. We're just few neuro spicy people out here trying to um, be the change in the world that we want to see. Mm. So we'll do our best if, you know, you feel like you don't have anybody else to talk to. Um, again, we will do a kink episode at some point. So that one's going to take a while. If, yeah. if, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Although I want to add something to that to in there too, because I have a fun- no. This is my podcast. Hey, hey, fine. It's all mine. I did the research. Edit you edit yourself. <laughs> edit yourself. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, so you mentioned how we talked a lot about ADHD. So as before closing, I feel I feel bad. I should have thought of this sooner, and I should have said this sooner. But I do just want to toss out there one final rant, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Excellent. Okay, there is this stereotype. Now, autistic people get infantilized a lot to begin with. There is this Mm -hmm. stereotype that autistic people don't have sex because- Well, I know firsthand that that's not true. (laughs) So do I. (laughs) 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 But no, there's this stereotype that we don't have sex because, and I think it comes from the fact that we are infantilized by society and treated like, you know, well, you know, the poor deers and all that stuff. But I can assure you that is very much an incorrect stereotype. And I mean, sure, there are going to be autistic people who are on the asexual spectrum who don't enjoy it or, or want it. And that's okay. There are going to be that's autistic valid. Exactly. There are going to be autistic people who find it a sensory overload. And that's okay. And that's valid. But there are also a lot of us who are sensory seekers who genuinely really enjoy it and really love doing it with, you know, partners and whatever and you know enjoy the whole gamut of the experience and if you hear anyone saying that or acting shocked that an autistic person is open on a podcast talking about their sexual experiences because oh they're pure and innocent and they don't have sex (laughs) i I read your book i direct you to (laughs) any kink and uh other otherwise sex positive space online and i guarantee you you'll find a crap ton of neurodivergence and within that a crap ton of autistics and probably kinksters oh yeah all of them (laughs) (laughs) anyway that's my final rant of the episode but uh yeah um that's pretty much it for this week if you guys uh, i mean i i saw that we had some viewers in some new parts of the world i think i think i saw someone in south america as well welcome to them um how the heck did you find the canucks <laughs> right <laughs> and thank you for finding us yeah i mean i'm looking out my my snow-covered window and kind of wishing i was where you are right now but you know <laughs> anyway 
thank you again for listening guys and uh we hope to hear you on the next one or, or find you see you i i can't word i'm having an adhd moment but we hope to engage with you on the next one we love you all thanks for coming out bye for now guys Special thanks goes to Paul Unger, who helped design the rainbow infinity symbol with the two brains component of our logo, which we love very much. Thanks, Paul. The Neurodivergent Polyamorist was produced by Rebecca Kelterborn and Adam Mardero. Copyright 2022.